Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 55 of DC Primetime from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Captain Crew cast of pods that's not singing this week, I am Rob Martin. <laughs> uh, uh, I, was, I was actually really, really thinking about it. I was like, so should we just start singing right off the bat again? And I was like, we really liked this last week, so we're just going to keep doing it. Um, but yeah, no. No, we'll, we'll, not going to we'll be nice. <laughs> we did get some positive feedback for that, though. Yeah, um, yeah, I, th- I think so. A lot of people um, are, like, complimenting that we came out of our comfort zones and did it. Not only that, but, like, that we lived up to doing it. Yeah, I think if you guys call us out to do something specific on the show, I mean, we, we, we've shown that we're always open to, to having fun and doing something different and something new. So if there's more things you want to see us do, just just, just let us know on the Facebook page. Um, cause, Nothing too yeah, it, out yeah. of the ordinary. Yeah, uh, like... I don't think we're going to start reading fan fiction and stuff like that on the show, but um, but yeah, no, it, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. I really enjoyed writing the lyrics and just being goofy. And I used to do sketch comedy years and years ago, so this was this was something fun. And you've done acting too, yeah. so I think it was just kind of getting having fun tapping into some of that that stuff that we don't normally get to do as much. So. I I dare you to pants John Wesley ship at the con next weekend. No, <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> not um, gonna happen. Um, but yeah, so uh, five shows to talk about this week. Back to full strength for the first time in a while. Actually, it feels like it feels yeah, like powerless. Uh, powerless uh, coming out of it, it, it's weird scheduling, which seems like NBC is trying to kill that show off. So, which really sucks because it's it's gotten some footing again. Not as as strong of an episode this week, but still a good episode. Not as, yeah, feel- not as weak as one of the first two. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it feels like half of the episodes are really great, and half the episodes are like. Eh. This is a retread of so many other sitcoms. Still had a um, lot of chuckles that came out of it for me, though. So, I mean, I, yeah. I'm still approving of it. Mm-hmm. Very so, true. Um, but some interesting, some some differences coming up over the next over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, next weekend we have, um, which Rob, you and I have to talk about scheduling for next week because next week is Great Philadelphia Comic Con, which I'm going to be in attendance to. So we'll figure out scheduling off off air. But next week, we only have the Legends finale and Powerless to talk about, as all the other shows are on break until the end of April. Right. Which I didn't even realize until last week, until after we recorded last week, that all these shows are going on break. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think we'll have some... Uh... Have some uh, work to do as far as uh, filling some some air here, um, but I think we have a bit of a plan. Uh, I know Easter week. We might as well discuss this now uh, with everybody. Is uh, I am away. Uh, me and my wife are taking our five year wedding anniversary, so we're we're going off into New Orleans. So we're we're gonna go enjoy uh, 
and, and enjoy good old Nola and eat way too much food. So I think you and me have discussed. So we will still release something. And I think because Teen Titans Judas contract comes out this Tuesday on VOD, uh, probably before I go away, we'll record a inter- uh, not interview, a uh, review uh, of that end is released. So you still have a little bit of content. And it's probably you're going to get like 20 minutes from us. Maybe whatever news is happening by the time that we're recording. And that's about it. So, yeah. Yeah, and then next week, I think we're still working on it. it hasn't come through yet, but we're going to... Uh, there's a possibility our friend Tony Kim might be rejoining us to talk a little bit more about the uh, the expansion of his new, of his clothing line that he released last year, the, uh, the Hero Within, which is really awesome. I have a couple pieces from it. And um, I think we've had him on this podcast before, haven't we? Or am I confusing podcasts? Uh, no, we we have, and if you okay. also he he basically made two appearances because uh, he true. was the moderator for us when we did um, Wizard World uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, it was one of our specials last year during the summer months. So that's true. Um, and if I mean if if it comes down to it and it works out, um, nothing has been finalized yet. But obviously, with John Wesley Ship and Alan Tudyk being at Great Philadelphia Comic Con, if I'm able to get a couple minutes with that with. One of them, if not both of them, at the con, uh, we'll share that material for you too. Maybe we'll throw that in with the Easter Sunday, uh, the Easter Sunday podcast at the same time. Yeah, if not, maybe we'll just stretch it all out. We'll That's true because I think we have another. Break. I think we have another yeah. week after Easter that we have to fill too. So, yeah, um, uh, but you know what? Like I said, we will definitely have something to do. I actually already have a couple things cooking in my brain for uh, some different silver age things we could play with uh just for fun even before the summer because i have actually quite a few ideas for silver age things that we can do for the some of the summer months so there'll still be stuff coming well, uh, also, i don't think that's a question I, I think another film that we could also review too is, is something that i'm physically holding in my hand right now uh not my copy it actually is the prize that paul won and i'll be sending out to we'll be sending out to paul this week uh but i don't think we've ever reviewed batman the return of the cape crusaders yet yeah, that's actually I think one of the very that's the one of the only animated movies we haven't done. I think when we hit that one, we were deciding we were going to save it for the summer months. But uh, now is a good time as, time as any to uh, to dive into that as well. So yeah, so I have that physically in my hand right now, and I'll be sending out Paul. Uh, since you're listening, we'll be sending that to that out to you this week. So you'll have that hopefully by the end of the week. You'll have that in hand and uh, good to watch. Yeah, if not a little bit longer, because I, I don't believe he is in the continental U.S. So no, I think he's <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I think he's in the uh, our friends from the north. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which we love Canada. So you we know. do. I love Canada. Canada's great. Poutine, man. Oh God, <laughs> dude! Smokes poutineery is like one of the greatest things to ever exist, and the fact that they moved one into Philadelphia just makes me so happy. What? I need to make so yeah, yeah. Oh, we got to so. talk about this off air. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move forward. we got a lot to do. Uh, now my brain's just on poutine. Let's just talk about poutine for this entire episode. Right. This is not an April Fool's thing. I love poutine. Oh, so do I. And I haven't had it in a long time. So. Oh, I haven't had it since, like, I think, like a year and a half ago when we were uh, in Toronto. So, yeah. Oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> God, I'm getting hungry. All right. And I still got to go to lunch. All right. Uh, let's talk about this week's show. Let's jump into the uh, the bullet point section where we give each of the five shows our one of five, one of three point rating, uh, sidekick, hero, or legend. Although, Paul did come up with an idea for a possible highly coveted fourth ranking. Uh, which I believe one of the shows may be getting this week. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really possible. I mean, I, I'm still trying to figure out if 
because this one it doesn't really fit with our our, our theming. Um, so maybe, like I said, we'll use this uh, temporarily, uh, and, and unless I think of something else. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it, I think that needs to be used this week. Yeah, I think so too. So let's start with uh, <clears throat> starting off first with Supergirl. Season two, episode seventeen, uh, sidekick hero or legend? Uh, you know, I've been actually having a hard time figuring this one out, and uh, I, I think I'm gonna have to say hero. Um, there was a lot of stuff I really enjoyed about this episode. Kevin Smith came back again to direct, and uh, you know, he had a he, you know, I, I love the fact that he spends a good amount of time with Maggie and Alex, and I think the stories are great, handled beautifully and really well. Like shows like some of you know kevin's earlier things like things like chasing amy uh and even just pulling from life stuff too um i i think like this material is always handled so incredibly well uh but when we get into the synopsis i i've I got a bone to pick with supergirl okay yeah i'm going hero with this one as well and one of the main reasons one uh it, it's something that i've really relied on lately in and that is if i watch an episode earlier on i i try and wait till closer to the end of the week to watch all of these shows so that they're fresher in my mind uh, for when we talk about them. And uh, because if I watch a show earlier in the week when it airs and I go the whole week, I tend to forget sometimes what the show is even about. And that, unfortunately, was one of the things that happened with Supergirl this week is that I don't really remember. I'm, it'll all come back to me as we start talking about it. But just thinking right now off the top of my head, I don't remember a lot about the episode. So it really, to me, was not a huge standout episode. I know I enjoyed it. Uh, but it wasn't very memorable. So for that reason, just for that reason alone, I'm just giving it a hero. It's a high hero, but it's not a, you know, it's it, I, it's not going into legend status for me this week. Yep, same. So uh, next up, we have the Flash season three, episode eighteen, sidekick hero or legend. This week is getting a legend. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, you know what? One of the things that we've we've talked about that I know that I've been very vocal about uh, since season two is every time they introduce one of the rogues, it feels like they're really not focusing on the rogue. And uh, this felt like we got a very fleshed out version of, of Abracadabra this week, and I was really happy about it. And they played it up and did it so incredibly well. Uh, absolutely, absolutely loved it. Absolutely deserves that legend. Yep. Legend for me as well. Uh, David Desmachlin, man, nailed it. He was, oh, God, he was so good. awesome as as Abracadabra. So it, it was very well done. The story was great. It it drove the it drove the show forward even more to like to the point where I'm really bummed this show is on break now. Uh, I know, but you know what? That was a good cliffhanger too. I can't wait to talk about it. Yep. Yeah, me too. Uh next up we have Legends of Tomorrow, season two, episode sixteen, and this is the one, man. This is the one that we're going with Paul's recommendation. Uh, you and I are both in agreement. Uh, this is getting the Lazarus. Uh, yeah. There, this, to me, was a close-to-perfect episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only reason I'm not quite sure, I love the idea of Lazarus being a title, but that feels like something like if a show is doing really poorly and it's like, boom, there is life back in this show now again. That's true. Uh, yeah. I, I, that's the only reason I'm still kind of like, it's a really good idea. I really do dig it, but... uh I, I think that's the only reason I'm kind of like, hmm, because uh, this show has been firing on all cylinders constantly. But this was just, man, oh, God, I was impressed. This, uh, yeah. But yeah, for the meantime, we're going to say Lazarus. Yeah, this is one of those episodes that like this is as high of a legend that you can get. Yeah, uh, for, it, the I, for the show. The best way I can put it is if this was our 10 point scale, 
this gets its perfect 10. This cranks it to 11. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, that's that there. That could be the review. This yep. is Spinal Tap. This is that. There you go. This is Spinal Tap. That's the review for it. Uh, uh, yeah. Next, we have Arrow, Season 5, Episode 18, Sidekick Hero or Legend. Man, uh, also, again, good legend uh, again for Arrow. Uh, again, another show also firing on all cylinders. Um, everything that's happening right now with this whole Prometheus angle has been exceptional. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I've got some thoughts to discuss on that one, too. So, yep. Again, I mean, it's another one of those things with, you know, uh, with the villain. It's, you know, it, you know, akin to Abracadabra from The Flash, man. Josh Segarra is uh, Prometheus it has very quickly become my favorite villain this show has ever had. Um, even without him with the with the mask on now and the way the episode ended, I, like I again, another fantastic way to end an episode going into a break. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so a legend from me on that one as well. And lastly, we have Powerless Season 1, Episode 6, Sidekick Hero or Legend? I think this is going to get a middling hero for me. A uh, couple good jokes, but, uh, I, man, I, I feel like it's slipping a little bit. And I, I don't know, maybe if it's just because the show keeps taking, like, there's no new episode for two or three weeks. And then here's a, a show, and I'm like, but my brain's not there right now. Um, so I, I'm, I think there's still some problems that they're still ironing out. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. And I'm going, I'm going hero with this one as well. Uh, I do have one point of contention for, for my reasoning for giving it a hero this week. Uh, I still thought it was funny, but there was one thing that really did kind of bother me a little bit about this week's episode. And we'll get to that as we're talking, uh, talking about the episodes, but let's jump back to the beginning and go with Supergirl, super two, season two, episode 17, Titled Distant Sun, aliens attack National City with the intention of collecting a large bounty put out on Supergirl. Uh, so as you mentioned, again, the return of uh, Kevin Smith as the director. I love the fact that he's hopping between all these shows. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's more Supergirl and The Flash right now. I don't think he's done Legends or Arrow as of yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think no, he, he has. He has not yet. <clears throat> so. So, yeah, it'd be cool, though, to see him jump over to Arrow. I would love to see what he could do with that show. I would love to see him bring in Onomatopoeia for uh, for an episode if he got a chance to go over there. So. Yeah, and I think it would have to be next season at this point, only because of the fact that the the way as dark as this season has gotten with Arrow and everything, I don't think that's exactly Kevin Smith's style. No, I, I don't. I, I, that's the only reason why, like, it would be fun for him to come in and do this, but... I don't know if this, that's quite his normal speed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but again, we get to see a lot of things. And I know you had pointed out that, you know, Kevin likes to focus on a lot of the Alex and um, and Maggie storylines, too, which we did get a little bit more of that this week. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, like I said, you know, I think that one of the reasons he can handle that so incredibly well is, uh, you know, Kevin's brother in real life, uh, you know, is is openly gay, too. So I, I, he's got a lot of firsthand experience of, you know, seeing a lot of that stuff kind of pan out from an outsider's perspective. Um, and like I said, he's one of those people I think that's really in touch with the general pop culture community incredibly well. Um, so I, I think he does an exceptional job uh, of handling that type of source material and kind of being able to work with it and make it feel realistic and reasonable. So Yeah. Uh, this episode made me realize one thing in particular, too, about these shows and about watching all of these shows. <clears throat> it's... This episode this week was a prime example, comparing it to last week, of how if you don't watch these other shows, you can sometimes be confused. 
because last week's episode of Supergirl ended with Kara and Monel like breaking up. And if you didn't watch the Flash crossover, you would think, what the hell is going on? These two broke up last week and now they're on the couch, like watching TV and, and everything together. Monel is whipping up, you know, he's mad making food. your breakfast in bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. I mean, this is a prime example that even if you don't watch all of the shows, if you know a show crosses over with another, you got to sit down and watch it yeah. because these storylines cross over, too. So, I mean, it's not just the story of the episode, like the main storyline also continues when they do these crossovers. So that was something that I, I realized, too. I'm like, wait a minute. If you didn't watch the crossover, you are totally confused right now. Yeah. What the hell did I miss? Well, one of the things I really wanted to bring up, though, is as I kind of mentioned in the bullet point, is the fact that there's a glaring issue happening right now with Supergirl. Um, and I don't know if you've thought about this or any of our listeners have at this point. Who's the big bad of this season? I don't know. I was kind of trying to think about that, too, because now I'm starting to think that it might be Rhea. Yeah, and I don't know if that's okay. Um, because you're, this is a character you introduced two episodes ago. For the very first time, uh, I mean, like, you've got the little bits, like, around Invasion, but, like, that was about it. But that's problematic. That's really problematic. I Because I thought Cadmus is going to be our big bad, and now it's like they shifted gears a little too late in the season. They, they introduced Rhea and Largan in episode 16. This was episode 17, right? Uh, yes, no, uh, yes, episode 17. Okay, so they're going, what, 22, 23 episodes for the season? They are going. Uh, keep talking, and I can... I can yeah, I, I mean, so, I mean, like, even if that's the case, like, you're giving 22. them... 22. So they have, what, seven seven episodes left to go? You know, that's that's not a lot of room five. to make... Five. They have five episodes <laughs> to do this. I'm like, where's your math going? Uh, I... I I, I'm I'm not a visual or mental <laughs> mental math person. I I need to see it in front of me. Um, I, I become a moron when you ask me to do math in my head. Um, so I, yeah, it's man, that's just such a problem though. I I don't think you can do that because I wanted this epic big Cadmus thing to happen and like having nailed this massive assault. I mean, I'm hoping that they're going to be connected, like or they'll they'll connect them in the next episode. But like. All these shows had these really amazingly strong cliffhangers. This is the one I kind of didn't care about. And I'm like, I wanted something to see what the hell Lena Luthor is up to. We have no idea. We haven't seen her in a couple weeks. The last time we saw her, it's kind of like, oh, things are getting interesting. And then they just shifted focus hardcore. I'm like, wait, you don't have a lot of time to do this stuff. You need to get back to it. Uh, the show is a lot of fun. I love the characters. I love the dynamic between everybody. But – that's one thing I could see potentially really hurting the show in the back half. And they kind of made this mistake in season one as well, where it was the Kryptonians, but like they kind of set up Maxwell Lord as the big bad in the beginning of the season. And I don't want to see them make that mistake again. Well, not only that, but I think one of the other things that the show has kind of gotten away from too, is we've gotten away from the whole Jimmy Olsen guardian storyline. Yeah. Uh, he's, it's he's, kind of like now it's like, it's accepting that he's guardian. Well, that's not the way this storyline was progressing. Yeah. You know, it, it was it was this was complicated. This was this was causing a rift between Kara and Jimmy. So I'm like, and and also Win, and and we've kind of gotten away from that. We've had some random appearances appearances from Guardian, but like it's almost like okay, it's it's all of a sudden accepted that he's Guardian, and then we haven't seen anything of the storyline since. And you know, they I don't think it's a bad thing that they shifted fully away from uh, Catco at this point, and 
you know, I, I think maybe that gives them the chance to be a little bit more hyper focused on what's going on. But with shifting away from Kako, obviously makes it a little bit of shift away from Jimmy uh, or James. Sorry. Um, so I, I, I think they made some odd choices near the back half of this season. Um, still a good show. Don't don't get me wrong. It's still still really good. I love watching those characters interact, uh, especially Monel and Kara. I think they they have such great chemistry. Chris Wood just makes me smile every week when he's on. Uh, and just him now this week was, uh, you know, I cook now, uh, was like my favorite <laughs> line from him. Um, cause just that look on Wednesday, face like, what, what's going on here? Uh, the other little gripe for this week, man, you had intergalactic bounty hunters. This was your chance to do Lobo. Why did you not do Lobo? Um, ah, man, that another little kind of strike against it this week. That was a perfect opportunity. They had that joke and tease about it, uh, you know, in the past on the show, man, you could have totally pulled that off here. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, it's like you said, the show is still good. It, the show is still a lot of fun, and I'm still loving watching it. But you're right. As far as main plot storyline goes, they're kind of getting away from it. And I almost believe that the the kind of the Cadmus thing that you had mentioned plus the Guardian thing, I think they're kind of related. I think they go hand in hand is that maybe in the beginning of this show, uh, you know, when the writers were writing for this, this season in the beginning, they had planned on going with Cadmus, which was the introduction to Guardian. But they've kind of changed their their mind as they were going through decided to go a different route maybe saving cadmus for a bigger story arc next season i don't think so i think it's coming back still i really do because still cadmus still, is going to come back this season there's that big jeremiah danvers thing hanging over our heads right now there's the lena luther thing hanging over our heads they gotta get serious and really fast um so i mean maybe maybe they can pull it off i i don't know what they've got planned but uh, yeah, I think that's that's one thing right now that uh, there's there's a lot of hanging plot threads because we got a tease on what Lena what Lena's doing, but we have no idea. We don't know who she's connected to, who she spoke with, um, and then Cadmus has kind of disappeared. But you know, you've got Cyborg Superman, Jeremiah Danvers, and um, you know, oh, crap, I can't remember her name. Uh, the who. Uh... Uh, Lena's mother, uh, Lil, uh, Lillian, Lillian Luther is still running around now too. So there, there's that whole thing hanging out there, and we know there's all these excess bunkers hanging around too with all their tech. Yeah. So it's a big wait and see. With now with Queen Rhea being like, we're taking down Earth. Um, I really just hope that they find a way to team up with Cadmus to take Supergirl down. I think that would be the best way to do this. So or just don't, or, or just don't have too many chickens in the basket. And and try and and try and wrap up this season with too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if you try to wrap up all those plot lines, you could. You, this could be a little tricky. So yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, like like I said again, like other than that, the, uh, not a lot of memorable stuff from this week. I mean, it was really cool. Again, you you mentioned the the intergalactic bounty hunters and why not bring in Lobo? I didn't even think about that until you just brought it up. Uh, it would have been a perfect opportunity to bring in Lobo into this and either way like biker lobo or you know which whatever version of lobo you wanted to bring in so but i'm trying to think of like some other things that kind of stick out in my mind other than i mean obviously we had queen raya um which lois, i was yeah lois lane kills hercules this yes week, so <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even think about it that way that's so awesome i'd love or, that or or you can just make it even like you know, more amusing in your head. Desperate housewife kills her. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, like I said, that was 
like I said, it was an interesting development. You could see it coming from a mile away. I think they, it was, they, they kind of showed their hand on that very early on. Uh, so you knew exactly how the end episode was going to wrap. I guess the big thing really is the Linda Carter thing, the president of the United States. Um, we originally thought that might have been, uh, you know, a Martian or some sort uh, earlier in the season when she made her early appearance. But uh, very much an alien of a different sort. Uh, yeah. That's a shapeshifter. So. And and you know what? In all honesty, it didn't surprise me. Uh, no, it, it, no. It wasn't a big surprise that the president was an alien. It, it didn't surprise me at all. Uh, now the question is what type of alien they are, who they are. Uh, my guess is uh, we even heard them mentioned, or at least their planet mentioned by Monel this week, and somebody that I thought earlier uh, in this season that uh, maybe this is one of the Durlins, um, you know, is uh, the kind of like the faceless alien race that constantly keeps shape, shape changing, that they kind of don't remember what they look like anymore. So maybe, yeah, that's my thought right now is that's a Durlin. So it's a wait and see. Well, here's my question about the, the whole president thing, too. Is this something that is main plot storyline related or is this just a throwaway that they did? You know, like, hey, look, you know, the president is good for alien rights, but that's because she is an alien. Like this could be something we never see again. Or this could be tied into one of those plot threads we've been talking about. Um, maybe there's the tie to Lena there, or it's tied to Cadmus. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, I do have to make a side note about Supergirl, is that earlier this week uh, on the Showcast Spotlight, I got to interview Tony Cypress, who is uh, currently part of the Blacklist Redemption. But I did get to talk to her a little bit about the fact that she played... Uh, she was on Supergirl. She did do a two. She did do two episodes of Supergirl. She was the first time we ever got to see a white Martian. Oh, uh, cool. she was Senator Miranda Crane, who turned out to be a white Martian uh, in the show. First time we ever got to see it, and I got to talk to her a little bit about her experiences about that, um, and working with like working one on one with David Harewood and like how great he was and and how he likes to go- travel around the set on a Segway, or not nice. a Segway, a hoverboard, a hoverboard. <laughs> So um, that's cool. I'm going to mention it again because it's my recommendation of the week because we're not going to be sharing it on DC primetime. It's, it's going to be exclusively over at uh, the showcast spotlight, but I'll, I'll mention where you can where you can listen to it later on. Cool. So, uh, but anything else on Supergirl before we move on to the flash? Um, you know, we, we got that quick shot again. They went over back to the Fortress of Solitude. Big focus on that Legion ring, man. Like, there was that shot that they really lingered <laughs> on that, that, you know, that Legion ring, that Legion flight ring. So, where is that going to play in? Uh, my guess is maybe mon going to rock that. I have a feeling. That'd be kind of uh, cool, actually. So, it's a big wait and see. Um, so, uh, I, I want to see that play out soon. I, I'm kind of thinking about this off the top of my head, and it... it I'm starting to think that I honestly, I think the president revealing as an alien, I think is going to incorporate more into a storyline. And mainly because of the fact that, think about the orders that she was giving uh, Jean to not pursue that ship. Yeah. Uh, I think there's, uh, to not interact with that ship. I think there are some kind of ulterior motives with that. And now we're seeing that there are ulterior motives with her being an alien. So we'll probably see Linda Carter again. We'll probably see her as an alien again too. So I think there, I think this will tie into a storyline. Yeah, I do too. I think it's it's going to be something involved with the finale. Uh, that's a definite. So yeah, uh, Supergirl returns back to television April twenty fourth with a uh, title a titled episode Ace Reporter, in which I'm looking at the credits. I don't know how. There's no plot synopsis, um, but it has Music Meister listed in the cast. Huh. 
So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it looks like Darren Chris may be returning, or this could just be a glitch on IMDb. So uh, we'll just have to wait, like, about three or four weeks to find out. Yep. So Very true. Uh, moving on to The Flash, Season 3, Episode 18, titled Abracadabra. The Flash fights a villain from the 64th century named Abracadabra, who offers to reveal Savitar's identity in exchange for his release. Uh, so well done, this episode. Not, But not just the Abracadabra parts. Uh, I loved, I mean, this is another episode that is a prime example of what we've said before in the past, is that when Papa Joe cry, when Papa Joe cries, we cry. We cry. <laughs> um, the emotion and like the, 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 everything that we got out of Jesse L. Martin this week, um, I thought was fantastic. I mean, it's, it's another one of those prime examples that like, look, he, and he even says it himself in this week's episode that I, there are two sides of me. You know, and the side of family is always going to win. So, you know, seeing him do what needs to be done to save Iris's life, even if that's releasing Abracadabra to find out the identity of Savitar. um, Man, just a phenomenal job from not just um, the rest of the cast, but uh, Jesse L. Martin in particular. Yeah, Oh, yeah. He was easily, I think, the big, huge standout this week. Um I mean, he's like Papa Joe's is great. And you know what? One of the things we got to bring up here, uh, there there is a very notable absence this week yes. in the cast. Tom Cavanaugh, because he's the director of this week's episode. He's at, he was the director of this week. So that's no, why he wasn't. See, yes, he was. He's not listed as director. Uh, he should be. He was the one that. No, was he. No, week. you are incorrect, sir. He is directing really? the once and future flash when they return. Ah, he is, maybe he, he was doing some some work behind behind the camera this week. But uh, well, I, I don't. Know. See... I had a different theory about that. Okay, because uh, this week's the, this week's episode was Nina Lopez Corrado, and uh, Tom Cavanaugh is directing the the episode when they return from the break uh, gotcha, on the twenty fifth, gotcha. the Once in Future Flash, which I think is amazing because that's I can't wait to see that one, and I can't wait to see what Tom Cavanaugh does with it. Um, in which we did get a little bit of a hint from when we talked to uh, when we. Uh, when we talked to Teddy Sears, that he did say Tom Cavanaugh was directing a, a future episode. So it's nice that that's actually coming to fruition now and we're getting to see that. Um, but uh, like the whole episode, you bring up, you know, HR not being there. The whole episode, like it made me wonder how are these, are these two people connected? Because they did come from the same earth, just a different time period. Yeah, that's, that's so very true. So are they connected somehow? Um, well, actually, no, we didn't get confirmation that Abracadabra is from Earth-19. They said he, he hops dimensions, or he hops, uh, you know, the multiverse, and he came to Earth-19 years prior looking for tech. Okay. Um, right. And that's when he killed Gypsy's partner and lover at the time. So we do, we know he's just from the future. We don't know which Earth, though. They did not reveal that yet, but we did know he spent some serious time in Earth-19, so he could have had some connection to HR. So, okay. Um yeah, so that there I still think there is some kind of connection. I just don't know what it is because I think it's it's a little odd that we didn't see HR pop up anytime while Abracadabra was there. Right. You know, he didn't yeah, we, come, we, he, he didn't yeah, we, show up until afterwards. Yeah, we got that little stinger at the end. Um the after after flash. Yes. Um <laughs> so um, it, it was it yeah, like I said that was something interesting, but I I will say this. I I think Maybe that hopefully is a red herring because I like this version of uh, Tom and I want him to stick around. Um, I, I, you know, I, I love the idea they switch him up every every season, um, but I would like to see them kind of hold to one for a while now. Yeah. 
Uh, a couple other notes about this episode, too, that I'm, I'm really starting to find out. Other, with the exception of Jesse L. Martin, um, another big episode that is revealing more and more every week, we're getting to see this almost every week, is how big of a contribution Tom Felton makes to this cast. God, I love him in that show. He is so he has been such a great and strong addition to this cast ever since he comes in. And what's really disheartening is the fact that every week it it says special appearance by Tom Felton. When mm-hmm. you see that, it usually means they're not going to be around forever. Yeah, well, you, do, you we don't quite know, but um, there's something in my gut saying that Caitlin could kill him before the end of this season, and we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, when we yeah, because well, we got to talk about um, obviously the episode ended. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So yeah. So I'm I, I'm I'm seeing that more and more every week. But one of the other things I'm seeing more and more every week, and I'm enjoying more and more, is I'm loving seeing how well Cisco is taking to becoming a superhero, and getting more and more a vibe. Every oh week. God, he he had another moment this week, man. Like it, Wally falling from the top of the building, and then just. Cisco opening up the portal and dumping him out on the street like perfectly. It was like that same moment we got in duet just the other week uh, when we got to see him kind of set up that little combo move between Martian Manhunter and Kid Flash. Yeah. And it's uh, how awesome is it that we said just got to say that like Martian Manhunter and Kid Flash, <laughs> you know, comboing up and taking out, you know, a villain is such an awesome feeling to say. And yeah. I, it's when these shows started, never thought that would have happened. And the fact that vibe is in the mix of all that. I, I mean, did Cisco is is he's such a great character on the show, but watching him become vibe has been something really special. Yeah, watching him coming in coming into his home and learning these abilities and learning how to use them and hone them. And Gypsy, Gypsy has been a huge part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing her constantly pop up and we're seeing the interaction between the two of them, which kind of ended on a sad note this week. Uh, but I don't think we've seen the last of Gypsy at all. Now, we've actually seen quite more of her than I anticipated this season. So, um, But I got to say, too, one of the highlights of this episode, hands down, is Cisco trying a Mac on Gypsy and doing such a piss poor job. It was so <laughs> over the top, so wonderful. And you can see the cast, how hard that probably had to be to do those sequences because Carlos Valdez's delivery constantly of just trying to up his game. I have to imagine the cutting room floor moments of that are, are got to be exceptional. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, the season three outtakes. Yeah, for sure of this show. Um, but my, Cisco actually has my line of the week this week, and it's because it's just again, it's one of those things that I would love when you see those videos pop up online of on YouTube and such of just the goofiness and like the throwaway stuff that him and Tom Cavanaugh do together. Uh, I, I can only imagine what it's like working with him on set and, you know, probably how many tries you have to do, how many takes you it takes to, in order to nail a scene. Because um, he seems like one of those guys that, like, when you're doing a goofy scene or a lighthearted scene, he probably goofs off a little bit. But when it comes time for the drama, man, he nails it, you know, and he commits to the scene. So, but my line of the week from him is, you know, towards the beginning of the episode, um, I think it's actually only like only three or four minutes into the scene with him and talking to Caitlin. <laughs> he says to Caitlin, he's like, it's frosty too soon for the, or too, too soon for the frost puns or too, too soon for the cold puns. So I had another line of the week this week and I can't remember it. Ah, it's all good. So hey, another, uh, choosing another, that one is my line of the week. Another nice notable one was the, the other Cisco moment of the, you shall not pass yes. moment as uh 
you know, Abercadaver's time ship is barreling down on them, but he yeah. is our, he is our Ray Palmer of this show. He really is with yeah. the with I mean, the pop culture puns. Yeah, I mean, and I think Cisco does it the best, though. I mean, like his moments are just so phenomenal. So um, he's one of those characters that just, he, like I said, this cast all in all, there's such so many great additions here. And they all make up Team Flash in such an awesome way. So yeah, exactly. Um, we got to talk Abracadabra a little bit. Um, yeah. We haven't really spent much time on him since we started talking about the Flash. And um, you know, again, such a phenomenal job. We knew that you know the casting of David Meslachlan, uh, um, um was was good because of the roles we've seen him play previously. But man, he nailed it. There's no yeah. ifs or buts about it. Like. He was perfect casting for Abracadabra. Oh, yeah. Like, and it was over the top just enough. Like, it had that theatrical, like, flair. And, like, the fact that they really played with the magic trick stuff in the early sequences with him looked so good. Every yeah. one of those was great. Down to when you're over in Stag Industries at the very beginning of the episode, having those little moments, it was handled so perfectly. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that completely. And I, honestly, too, like, I think just the fact that he's trying to leverage the entirety of Team Flash through the entirety of the episode was really fun to watch because uh, he's locked up in a cell for most of the episode. But watching him dismantle them kind of mentally a little bit to get one of them to tra- turn and somebody that has all of this information and knowledge of what's to come, it made Savitar, a li- you know, this normally when you're taking your last big break is usually the episode where you're we get these massive reveals, and the fact that they didn't do that I thought was interesting, but they made Savitar feel more frightening and set up Abracadabra to be something very potentially frightening down the road as well. So I kind of think you got a twofer here. Um, so it's it was interesting to watch that play out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it was interesting. It was fun watching him try and put – it was fun seeing – trying to think of a way to put this. Um, you know, seeing like the time capsule – come back together and come back into play again too, which we haven't gotten since, uh, you know, the end of season one. Yeah. I mean, like I said, well, we, I mean, we, we've seen the time vault bits and pieces here and there, but I mean, like, yeah, the fact that you go back to that power source now being in, in the vault, it makes you wonder what else is in that time vault that we haven't seen yet. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like we've been seeing them pop in there a little bit this season, kind of looking at that, you know, that newspaper and looking at that byline and seeing if it's changed yet. But um, yeah, I, I love the fact that they don't forget that that's there in Star Labs. So it's uh, interesting to see. But one thing, and I'm, I normally was going to bring this up in the news sequence, but I think it's kind of worthwhile to discuss here. Um, there was something specific that uh, Abracadabra stated to Barry near the end. And it's kind of like, you know, you know, between Eobard, between, you know, uh, Hunter and Nail Savitar, and, and then he says DeVoe, and I'm like, whoa, 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 back yeah, yeah, yeah. the fuck up, hold on. And I'm like, and he's like, all these big villains, and I'm like, we haven't seen DeVoe yet, and for those of you who do not know who DeVoe is, DeVoe was also known as a character named The Thinker. Uh, the Thinker is somebody that has previously pulled together the rogues, and has kind of been the one behind the scenes helping plot their next moves, their next heists, all these little things. I think because we did get confirmation just about a week ago that we missed in the news. They have a hundred percent confirmed next season on flash. No speedster bad guy. Um, 
And if they're bringing up DeVoe as the next big bad, we might be I, think we're get, I think we're getting a Rogues big bad season next season. And how amazing is that? Like, I got chills to saying that. I am so ready <laughs> and excited for it because we'll get into it when we get into uh, Legends because I've got some thought process on what, where some of that's going to fall to. And that can really impact the Flash. Yeah. So, dude, I'm 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 stoked for the idea of a rogues, um, a rogue season. And and you mentioned, you know, when you mentioned Devoe, I remember watching that, and I was like, wait a minute, that's somebody new. Have we just gotten like a, a tease as to who, uh, as to who the big bad is for next season, and or one of the possibly one of the big bads bads is for next season, and because I mean these writers are intelligent, they're not going to put that in there as a throwaway. Yeah, that means we, something. We know that more than likely was our hundred percent confirmation. They already know where next season's going. Yes. So. Yeah, and I'm definitely, definitely stoked for what's going to happen with that. And like I said, if you want to learn a little bit more about him, uh, there is an article on uh, you know Facebook.com/slash DC Primetime. Um, just skim down a couple posts. Uh, it's basically the something from comicbookmovie.com. It's a did Abercadabra just reveal the big bad of season four? And it'll give you a little bit of a primer on the finger so you can check that out. Um, it does look like, and we're going to see how this plays out. He, uh, David Meslachin, will be returning to The Flash in the finale, which could be a big setup for a rogues season next season. Yeah. Uh, well, there's another one that's coming up, too, and we can get into that uh, now, actually, as well, is, uh, you know, we get our little tease at the end of what's to come that Barry's next big move is, before we talk about that big After Flash moment, um, is he's going to the future himself to 2024, I believe. Yes? I think uh, so. Which is, I think, the same year that Flash miss, goes missing in the crisis, so... Um, but it's the the wait and see. But he's going to go back to the future, find out exactly what went down and figure this out himself, uh, which is something he knows he shouldn't do. But I think they're out of options at this point. So as we see that play out in the promo, we saw a returning villain in that promo, which was Mirror Master. So lots to come, I think. There's a lot to come still. So yeah. I'm really curious. But we also saw... Finally, Barry's getting his new suit. So, really looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk the post the post flash scene, um, in which uh, it's a pretty big setup for you know things that still need to happen. Uh, you know, obviously we have the list of headlines of things that were going to happen. One of them, in particular, being Killer Frost still at large, and. Uh, we're getting, we're now getting into that. As in earlier on, we we saw, you know, that surgery had to be done to Caitlin. This was something that we didn't bring up, but um, you know, plays into the Tom Felton, uh, uh, Daniel Panabaker interaction and relationship on the show. Uh, and we saw Tom Felton have to become a medic and and save Caitlin's life. And just when we think everything is going well, uh, she starts going into shock and she is losing her battle with healing and she's. Uh, she she's failing. She's dying. Yeah, Actually, she's much, not dying. She dies. Yeah, I mean, pretty much as they put it, is more than likely she had a blood clot and went had an embolism and started seizing and dead. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in which they could have very easily been helped if they had taken the the amulet off of her, because uh, her frost powers would have allowed her to heal. And 
you know, she doesn't want that. She wants the surgery because she doesn't want Killer Frost to be to, to come out. And at the end of this, when she dies, you know, we see a big moment, especially considering that he is somebody who has been against metahumans uh, and, you know, really didn't. It was one of the points of contention between him and, and Caitlin was the fact that she thought or he thought that she she was talking to him strictly for help to get rid of Frost. And he is the one that rips the I think it is Tom Felton's character that does it, right? It's Julian. Yep. Okay. Julian Julian at the last moment after she's dead, you know, they're kind of already just in shock of the situation. And he's like, fuck this. And yeah. he he just rips it off. Like even Cisco's like, do not do that. Um and he's like, She's dead. It was like this is our only shot. And uh boom, man, we get the entire, you know, operating table and the recovery bed just ices the hell over. And we definitely have Killer Frost now. Yes. Uh, there's no question about it. Caitlin is now Killer Frost. So it makes me wonder is Caitlin still dead? This is uh, something n- I did think about. I, I, I don't think so because they did mention because they showed her skin healing up, like the, even the suture points. Uh, that it, even if she was dead for like that 30, 40 seconds, uh, the frost powers immediately kicked in, restored everything. So not dead anymore. <laughs> okay. So this, her regenerative abilities came back into play, uh, when, when the suppressing amulet was ripped off of her. Okay. So. Um, but it also does bring up another question is that, is Caitlin going to be around to help stop Savitar? Because at the time, of the the moment with Savitar killing Iris, Killer Frost is still at large. Um, I, I there's something telling me in my gut. I think Caitlyn's turning heel for a little while. Um, so she, I, so by the end of this season, we could still not see a resolution on this. We may not, and I think that could make for a really interesting season next season because we even said uh, early this season when they were teasing her as Killer Frost for like you know if Tom Felton joins the Team Flash. Um, and she is no longer around because of being Killer Frost. Maybe he's going to have to pick up her place on Team Flash for some time. Yeah. And maybe these special appearances by Tom Felton are just that until next season when he becomes a season regular. Or the other thought I'm still having right now is there's maybe a high chance that before this season is out, Caitlin is going to kill Julian. Which would really suck. Yeah, I really don't want to see it, but I think that it, it's very much possible. It would really suck. Do you think there's some potential that we could see Killer Frost joining the Rogues? Yeah, I think if they let that continue to hang into next season, I think there's a really high chance of it. Um, I, I think if if we were putting money on that right now, I'd say I would put that bet down. Okay. All righty then. So, uh, yeah, when, we, when The Flash returns April 25th, we are getting the Tom Cavanaugh... Uh, directed episode, and that is the um, the once and future Flash. That's it. Yeah, so. I was trying to uh, get to it, and I couldn't do it because my IMDb is acting wonky. Um, but yeah, I, and I'm interested in seeing how this goes, only because of the fact that I akin I akin the title to the Once and Future King, which is a King Arthur reference, uh, which is Arthurian. So I don't know if there's going to be some kind of like some kind of relation or tie in to that somehow. Uh, but I, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was just a, a clever, clever play. But I know you and me both love the Arthurian legend. So, yeah, 
So, of course, um, I'm automatically going to go. Yeah, it. yeah, my brain goes there, too. When I see it, I'm like, ooh, ooh. I was like, no, they're not going to do that. This <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. I think it, this is going to be our, our fairly serious, serious episode. So, But I think a lot's going to play out in that one. So I'm really looking forward to it. And um, I can't wait to see what Kavanaugh does as director. Yeah, you know what? The one thing I got to say, though, I'm kind of very, very much surprised. Uh, normally, at this point in time, our big bad is unmasked. Um, that's the only thing that's kind of interesting that that's still hanging out into the ether. But... That means maybe we're not too surprised uh, because I think that theory that there's that chance that Barry is Savitar could still come to pass. So I think they're going to wait until the last possible moment. I think I think because this is going to be a, this is going to be a fairly sizable large reveal. Yeah, so I, I agree with that too. Um, so yeah, looking forward to seeing that one play out. Let's talk legends. Oh God, <laughs> can, we, can we just yeah. Man. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we don't need to go out of order because all of these shows were great. Uh, so many of these shows this week well, were really, really I good. I think we, you know what? I'm on board for that. Let's let's wait. Let's do Arrow Powerless, and we're going to close out. We'll close with Legends. Week. I'm okay with that. I'm actually okay with that too. So let's 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 jump to Arrow instead. Uh, season three or season five, episode eighteen, titled "Disbanded." Diggle and Felicity are shocked by Oliver's decision to ask the Bratva for help in taking down Prometheus. Um, this has to be. The most broken, and we've seen Oliver broken before. This is by far the most broken we have ever seen him. And I will say this too, it's earned. Every moment of it is absolutely earned. It is. Whereas sometimes in previous seasons when they're like, well, Lolly's kind of like, nope, no, I, everybody dies around me, blah, blah, blah. This time, man, every one of those moments feels earned because Prometheus has been messing with his head for so long this season from the start. And has been doing it so effectively. Josh Segura playing Adrian Chase is such an amazing highlight. Purely uh, just a sociopath, a psychopath. Just, man, such a great, strong villain where they did it beautifully. Everything that they've done with his character has been, it feels almost flawless. Um, I am so impressed with what they've done this season. Absolutely, absolutely love this. And I, I think really... Watching Oliver just really just nothing about him feels like the hero that we think of him at all. Like he feels so crushed, destroyed, every one of these things. But again, I, I gotta say it, it absolutely feels earned and they're they're selling it to us in an incredible way and I buy every second of it. Yeah, I, I do too. And one of the things that I'm really loving the most about this, uh it's not it's it's not the psychoticness of you know, of Adrian Chase and Prometheus. It's the fact that it it pains the team, not just Oliver, but the rest of the team, that this is a villain that to them, to the team, is out in the open. There's no question who this guy is, but they have to deal with him on a regular basis and cannot do anything about it. You jump to the scene with Paul Blackthorne and Oliver in, you know, Stephen Amell in in the office at the mayor's office and Josh Shagar, you know, Adrian Chase walks in. And he's like, I, Mr. Mayor, I want to thank you for you know, the bereavement time for the loss of my wife. Like, this is something, like, how do you handle something like that? Like, yeah, you I, know I, full on this is a psychotic man standing in front of me, and you can't touch him. Yeah, and it's handled so well. And even just that little, like, moment where Quentin leaves the office, and it's just Adrian lays that knife. He's like, go ahead. Just, you know you want to do this so bad. Like, all those little moments, and just watching Ollie just sit there and just kind of just glazed over, and like, just absolutely like screwed six ways to Sunday. I mean, like it was 
so, like all those moments are so strong. I love watching their interactions together. It, it, it reminds me so much of that Slade stuff where Slade, I think the downside, like Slade, it was such a great, great villain. But I think the one thing is you got to remind yourselves with Slade is it was a two season setup for a, an amazing villain. You know, like this truly exceptional, wonderful, one of the best the show has ever had. But it took like the whole Mirakuru stuff to make him who he was. This person is just twisted. Absolutely twisted and just finding every way mentally to dismantle everything about this team. And it's just it's thrilling to watch. Well, not only that, but I mean, you, you know, you mentioned how Deathstroke was a two-season setup. And I, I kind of think that Prometheus is a five-season Five setup. Five-season, yeah. Well, you know what? I, I kind of One of the points I, want, I really kind of realized is, you know, it felt like season one, season two... You know, it was this whole, you know, this is the dawn or, or it was season one, season two, season three. It was like, this is the dawn of Green Arrow. Season four was our first Green Arrow. He was no longer just Arrow, uh, the Arrow. You know, season one, he was the hood. This actually feels like the end of season five is actually the birth of Green Arrow. Yes. It feels like this has been a five season origin story. And I actually kind of put that together in my mind uh, after this episode. I'm like, no, that's really what they're doing here. They, they're giving us a real, the, you know, the flashbacks. And after the fifth year point, and it's tying together what's what's happening five years after his return from Lian Yu and his adventures in you know Russia and uh, you know you know the second stint on Lian Yu and then uh, where was he beforehand? Was he in China? I think he was, he was in China. China. I mean, like so, all these little things. It, 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 this is an amazing when you look at it in the grand scheme of things. Three really good seasons. And then about maybe like a half of another season in there when you combine three and four together. Um, (laughs) But still, this is an exceptional journey over five years. It's an amazing origin story. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what we get from season six because I think it's going to be very different. Yeah, I think think it is too. I think we're going to see the tonality is definitely going to change going into season six. And... Uh, you know, and it's just like you mentioned, it's it's cool seeing how it took five years for him to become the person that he was when he got off Lee and you. But we're also seeing in the show that it kind of it reflects and it's it's taking him five years to become the hero that we all know as the Green Arrow. Yeah, it's uh, the 10 year origin story. You know, yeah. like they always do the comic books where it's like year one. Yeah, this is Arrow. He yeah, year 10. Yeah. And, so. and, and as I mentioned last week with Arrow 2, when it comes to the flashbacks, you know, there, there had to be a point where we knew it was going to come full circle and we, he was going to have to get back to Lian Yu. And we're finally starting to see that this week in that he is telling um, uh, Anatoly. Anatoly. That's it. Yeah. Um, he's telling Anatoly like it may, he has to go back to Lian Yu because that's where people are going to believe he was. So uh, we're now finally starting to see this come full circle in that when this show returns, uh, you know, on the 26th, that we're probably going to see him going back to Lee and you in the flashbacks. Yeah. So a um, couple things I want to I want to note, too. Um, I, I liked seeing a turn in Susan. Um, and we don't talk a lot about Susan, but it, I like seeing the fact that Susan was a character in the beginning that – and it kind of reflects against Adrian Chase at the same time is where we thought Adrian Chase was vigilante. We thought Adrian Chase was good and we're finding out that he is not good. He is like the purest of evil and psychoticness that this character has ever seen or that this show has seen. And Susan uh, Susan Pope was somebody that – or Susan Williams um, was somebody that we thought was going to be against Ali and we find out now is totally on his side. 
yeah. even knowing his secret uh, is somebody who's completely on his side. So I love seeing the dynamic of how we were completely wrong about particular characters, and that's coming to coming to light this this far along into the season. Yeah, I mean they, they've done a lot of great work in making you think one thing and really switching it up, where you're like, I didn't see that coming. And like I said, another thing that's been very much earned this season. So, uh, you know, I got to give it give it to, you know, Mark Guggenheim uh, and Wendy Merkel for putting together an amazing season. I really I think they, they deserve so much praise. I mean, we still have a handful of episodes to go, but I don't see them not delivering. There's still five episodes left. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And it's interesting to note, too, on IMDb, this is a nine out of ten this week for for this episode. Um, again. And we have some. You have something in the news a little bit later on that kind of relates to this, but no Thea again this week. Yeah. Uh, well, we did. Like we do know. Like we talked a couple weeks back that her contract was only for I believe eight to. It was like eight, maybe eleven episodes this season. I, I forget how it broke down. Um, but uh, like I said, yeah, we have some stuff to touch on that on the uh, in the later part of the show when we go into the news. Yeah. So. Um, I did. I will have to say I did like the interaction between Echo. Um, a wild dog and Dinah and if you know if Felicity is gone and I'm the new Felicity then who's the you know if or if Felicity is the if Diggle is the new Oliver and I'm the new Felicity then who's the new Diggle uh, yeah <laughs> the interaction between wild dog and Dinah between Renee and Dinah was pretty funny with that like I am and then you know just the play of words that Dinah says like no that's definitely the new Diggle yeah <laughs> <laughs> which which Probably would have been my line of the week from Arrow if we were to do one from each show. Yeah. So, um, trying yeah, to think. I, I think one of the other big things, I guess, really to, to talk about is the breakdown of watching the relationship, the true relationship of uh, Oliver and Anatoly. When you see the the dynamic shift between what happened in Russia five years beforehand to the absolute destruction of their friendship by the end of this episode. Yeah. Um. And that was, I think, another incredibly strong point. I love watching the two of them together. Like, that was, I think, one of the highlights of the flashbacks. And I was like, there was a while where the flashbacks lost a little bit of their interesting, you know, mojo to them. But, man, like, the last couple weeks have been on point. And I think it's probably because of the two of them. They have such great on-stream chemistry where they play off of each other in an exceptional way. So... Yeah, well, not only that, but I mean, you mentioned the the breakdown of the relationship between Anatoly and Oliver. But one of the other things I really enjoyed about this episode was seeing the bond between him and Diggle. Uh, I, I think this is one of the strongest we've ever seen this, and because it's really Diggle that helps him turn this around by the end and make him realize, like, you know, you can come back from this. This isn't the end. Uh, you know, and it's great to see that the team is back together by the end, but I still thought it was very interesting and kind of fitting that Oliver's still not there. Yeah. You know, the rest of the team is suiting up the way they used to, and Oliver's still, he's, he's not quite ready to put that suit back on yet, but he's but you still know there to help. Yeah, but you know what? One of the things I really love, though, too, about that Diggle and Ollie scenes that we got this week, man, they brought it back to the beginning of the season of Diggle atoning for killing his brother. Yeah. When he had to kill Andy. Like, I'm like, wow, they really thought this through. And that's why I was saying, man, every moment of this episode is earned. Every one of them. And it makes you like they it's those little moments like that. You're like, I totally buy this. I buy that bond between them. I buy buy the reason why Diggle is so behind this. It's not that normal. Like you you can do this. You can do this pat on the back. We've faced insane odds before. But it was like, no, he was there at the beginning of the season. So. 
it, like I said, it's a very much earned moment. Yeah, it's this is one. This has been one of those seasons so far that, um, you know, like when the new seasons start back up, especially and more in particular with the Flash, I usually go back and rewatch the previous season a couple weeks before the show starts back up. One because I love the show, and two because I'm trying to refresh myself. That's something I've never done with Arrow as of yet. That might change. The, yeah. when season six starts coming around. Is I may end up going back and rewatching season five again. Because yeah. this season has so much replayability that I, I just want to relive this season over again because it's been that damn good. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with you. I think season five is going to be something when I'm like in the middle of the night when I can't sleep and I'm like, time to start powering back through season five of Barrow. Yeah, um, I, that's easily going to fit into that rotation next to Supergirl, you know, 30, uh, you know. Yeah, you know, third rock from the sun. <laughs> My random weird things I throw in in the middle of the night. Yeah, third rock's that's... one of yours too. That's one of mine too. I love that show. I usually go third rock, uh, home improvements, or friends. <laughs> <laughs> usually mine. Um, but uh, before we wrap things up, obviously we have to talk about the very end and how the show ended going into the the couple week break. Uh, we've seen a lot of work with Felicity and also with um, uh, with Curtis uh, finding out ways to figure out if they could find a way to see uh, Prometheus unmask into Adrian Chase, in which they do, and, you know, with some use of full technology and a heist at Court Industries, uh, they were able to re- get this revealed, which has now put Adrian Chase on the map. It is now out in the open that Adrian Chase is Prometheus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the very end of this episode, we see, man, some brutal scenes. You know, getting stabbed in the eye with a pen and then continuously stabbed with that pen even further. Yeah. Um, um, that whole sequence and then him just in the car driving away. To It's a Beautiful, beautiful morning. morning. Yeah. How brilliant is that scene? Oh, God. it's just, Man, that gave me chills. I loved it. I loved that moment. That was such a good, strong close, uh, closing moment. And man, it's when we come back, man, it's on, and I can't wait to see it. We we still know we could get two episodes of you know you know earmuffs if you don't want uh, <laughs> the spoiler again. But man, Black Siren is uh, going to be in these last two as well. We still have that reveal of who the hell a vigilante is going to be. You know, lots to come in five episodes, and I think they're going to pull it off. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, and it's it's man, what a way to go into the break and. It's like you said, I mean, we're not only that, but I think we have to see, you know, Oliver's got to put the suit back on. And I think we're going to see it come around too. that. I don't think Green Arrow is going to be public enemy number one anymore. No, um, he's going to be good in the eyes of the city again. And that there's a, that's just something else to add to the list of something we need to see when the show comes back. Yeah, that they have to fit in these five episodes. So, all right, let's knock out Powerless real quick so we can get back to Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, season one, episode six, I'm a friend you. When Emily learns that Jackie is in need of some extra cash, she can't help but try and do what she can to help her out. Uh, meanwhile, Van is on a witch hunt and his eyes set on Teddy, Ron, and Wendy. Um, I'm going to throw out my point of contention with this show that I mentioned earlier on. This show is a show that is set in the DC Universe. And it's something that we were told from the beginning that this is something, you know, that this is a team that is dealing with the everyday things that happen. And so far, that's something that we have gotten, you know, with Teddy's gloves, you know, helping Crimson Fox. This week, it doesn't feel like we got that. It felt like we just got an an off-the-wall office comedy. Yeah, I think 
aside from the Crimson Fox leaving leaving Charm City, yeah. which I will say that little bit, that little dialogue exchange in the beginning, which kind of cracked me up a bit, was just like I'm taking my south, uh, your my uh, taking my talents uh, to Metropolis adjacent. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of like, what are we gonna do with that? It's like it's like it's like it's Crimson Fox. I mean, it's like who's gonna come to Charm City? We couldn't even get a WNBA team. It's like a WNBA team. team. <laughs> they said no. <laughs> um, I mean, it, stuff like that is amusing, but I mean, like, they're forgetting. I mean, aside from it feels like this jack-o'-lantern just showing up yet again. And I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, but I, I mean, like, you know, we had, you know, what was it? Sinking Day, uh, you know. What was it like the the first day of sp- like spring or the summer yeah. was the cold villains you know one like the Batman episode I mean like these were really like the three strongest episodes of the show like you know like they were so exceptional and right now I really want them to start getting back to that a little bit this again as you put it got a little bit too much like a traditional office comedy get back to some inventions too I was thinking by the time we were able to do our annual the best inventions created in powerless this season and right now i'm like well there's three <laughs> so um well it looks like it looks like next week we are getting back to that as we're going to see supervillain dr psycho okay. so um we are going to be getting back to that again but this week it just felt missing yeah it, it fell a little flat here yeah there was no inventions there was no like even even the small little things like last week with with um uh with ron putting together the model of uh Wonder Woman's invisible plane. Like, at least that's something. Yeah. Um, you know, but we'd gotten, with the ex- exception of Crimson Fox, we got no DC tie-ins this week. Yeah, they, they, they have to not be afraid to embrace that. And I think that's the one thing they're having a hard time. If they do get picked up for a season two, I think they'll have some time to actually make that work. Because, I mean, this is I, the traditional sitcom shaky first season one. Like, there's some good stuff there. Uh, obviously, we both agree, I think, at this point, that Ron Funches and Alan Tudyk are the highlights of the show, hands down. Oh, by um, far. Alan Tudyk I think, especially. I think they actually even addressed one of the biggest issues, and I'm hoping that it comes to light when Jackie's talking to Emily. This episode is like, you need to turn it down. Because that's, I think, how the viewers are starting to feel. She's so in your face, like, plucky, happy-go-lucky, that's becoming annoying. Uh, and I kind of want to drown Vanessa Hudgens right about now. <laughs> um <laughs> Like, you know, I think there's not too much to like about her character at this point. The people that I want to watch are Teddy, Ron, and Wendy, uh, and, and Van. Van, and Jackie's okay. Like, she's she's the, the obligatory dry character, and she doesn't really feel like she stands on her own yet, uh, and, and Emily is just... Uh, painful on screen quite quite often, and uh, that's the downside. I, I mean, I would like to see her kind of instead of being like the over the top sweet kiss ass, um, that something more needs to come from her. Like when you put her in awkward bad situations, I think is when she shines. Like when she dates a henchman, like that was amusing. It's like, but it you know the over the top like you know like let's be besties, let's let's be besties, and like when the rest of the like you know major players of the show are like were annoyed with her as a character that's kind of telling that you may need to retool that character a little bit yeah exactly so, so. yeah but, but again i mean i think if the show gets back to the dc premise and starts incorporating that which it, it does look like they are going to do again next week um 
I think we this show could start feeling stronger again. And hopefully, you know, going into the rest of the season, because there are only a couple episodes left, um, you know, it, it helps towards the pickup of season two. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's one thing. And I know there's a lot of people out there that really like this show. And don't get me wrong, this this is a show I will stick with because when it shines, it shines real bright. And if not, it kind of, it's, it's like a light bulb flickering in and out. And you're like, is it going to burn out today? I'm not quite sure. Um, but I don't feel like I need to replace it quite yet. <laughs> that's kind of the best I can say as far as powerless. But I will say my line of the week did come from this in the, the little B plot that was happening throughout of who used uh, Van's private bathroom. Um, was as he's interrogating Ron, uh, he's about to, he's trying to sell him and bribe him. And he's just kind of like, this would, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, most people would sell out the other, or the person that did this. He's like, they would sell out faster than tickets to a Mumford, a Mumford and Sons <laughs> concert in the latest parts of Portland. And Ron's just response is, you can just say Portland. You can just say Portland. <laughs> <laughs> that had me dying. I, that was such a great line. Um, and like I said, his delivery, like he just, he just makes me smile on the show. And like I said, I kind of wish he was our lead. Uh, he feels like the person that should be the window into this universe, not Emily. So I could see that. I can definitely agree with that a little bit. So, yeah, cause I mean, I, I, I was always a big fan of Ron Funches. I mean, this, this is one of those shows that when it was first announced, I was on board strictly for the cast. Um, you know, being a fan of Ron Funches, obviously, Alan Tudyk, Danny Pudi, uh, Vanessa Hudgens was probably the lowest on the list of the, the reasons why I was tuning into this cast. So or tuning into the show for cast wise. Um, and it turns out, you know, that Alan Tudyk and Ron Funches are the strongest members of the cast, at least in our eyes. They are the strongest mm-hmm. members of the cast. Right. So, um, again, no lead in to next week. And I won't even say, you know, next week's episode because we've been fooled by that before. Yeah, so it's a wait and see. We <laughs> could have and... one show next week. We don't know. <laughs> That's very, very true. So hopefully, I mean, because they had Powerless listed as new last week and it never aired. So uh, it's a wait and see, as you said, to see if this week's going to be new. So we may be talking about episode seven next week. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's wrap this up with, uh, wrap up the show talk at least with Legends of Tomorrow. Saving this for last for good reason this was definitely the show of the week. Yeah. Which says down. a lot, considering how good Flash and Arrow were, too. This this episode is kind of the follow-up, as we mentioned before, and the sequel to the Villains episode. Um, but in a very different way. Yeah. And holy shit, did <laughs> stuff go down. Um, uh, season 2, episode 16, titled Doom World. The Legion of Doom rewrites history after obtaining the Spear of Destiny, potentially changing the Legends forever. Oh, you know what? I'm going to say it now. I'm actually going to change my line of the week because I actually remember the one I really wanted to use. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, why don't you get into no, it? What in we, your th- uh, oh, I was okay. Gonna, I was gonna just say it because you know what? Okay. Uh, my line of the week I know came from Tuesday. I could be completely wrong and thinking my original line of the week came from Flash and it wasn't. So your line of the week might have been my original line of the week. So let's, so let's just hear it. As we're in this, this episode, to give our setup is obviously we know that the Legion of Doom has used the Spear of Destiny, has rewrote you know, pretty much reality and everybody is in charge and they're basically keeping the legends alive and just putting them in situations just to kind of torture them a little bit uh, by them turning against each other or working for the legion themselves. But when we see Rip Hunter for the first time in this episode, it is amazing. It is one of the greatest, (laughs) funniest moments I've ever seen with him propping himself up off the floor of the wave rider. And it's Gideon. I finally done it. 
I've perfected my fondant bows. And just watching him <laughs> place this little bow on top of all of this cake, like this tiered cake, and just looking around as they pull out. And it's just, we find out that over the course of a year, he has been just baking on the Wave Rider. And how fucking funny was that yeah, scene? That's that's because another great scene, too. It was just, you know, Rip's hair all askew, covered in flour and confectioner sugar. And just mentally just gone. <laughs> yeah. But that was such an amazing moment. I absolutely just cracked up, and that easily was my line of the week. Um, I thought it was really interesting because this was something that we had talked about in the news last week and that we were going to see for the first time uh, Emily Bett Rickards uh, suit up. We were going to see Felicity suit up, and that's exactly how we start this episode off. Uh, not for very long, I might add. No. <laughs> that she is killed off by Damien Dark uh, pretty early on in the episode. So, um, I, man, I, I don't even know where to start with this episode because there's so much that happens. Um, I think that everybody was great in this episode. There wasn't a weak person in this entire episode. No. Um, um, I think the I, only person that we got the, the, the lowest amount of was Amaya, um, which I, that's not to say well, it falls to I, the episode I, I, at all. I, can, I have to say this pun. I, I, it's like, we, well, we got bits and pieces of her. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if Bill was here from Capping Crew, you would have heard the bell thing. You'd get but... a ding. <laughs> we got bits and pieces of Amaya. That's so wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to use it. I had to say it. <laughs> you set me up, and I had to knock it down. I so. will say, I will say, I sensed a change this week. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy this change. I love this change, actually. All of season one. I had a favorite character. And I feel like it's changing this season. In that my favorite season last season was Leonard Snart. Oh, character <clears throat> last season, you mean? What? You said your favorite season last season. Oh, my favorite character, yeah. My favorite <laughs> character last season was Leonard Snart. So I was very excited to see him come back this week. I have to say, I did not see this coming. I think my favorite character is switching. And I think it's Mick. I do too. Oh, good. Okay. I'm not the only one. And we'll talk about that in the annual. <clears throat> but I got to say this though too. Normally when we say who's going to come, who's going to go, and we're going to know this by next week, I think Mick and, and Leonard are going to be going back to being rogues by the end of this. Which really would be do. great if we see them pop back up on the flash. But I really don't see Mick sticking around after everything that's happened. I really do not. Um. And I think you're going to see a lot of contention between Captain Cold and Heatwave um, next week. I, a lot. And this is going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, like especially after this week, like I'm, I've, I'm really enjoying Mick's character. Like I think, I, I think. I mean, again, it's going hand in hand, Mick and Leonard. I mean, together, you know, they they form a good team, and they're my team of favorite characters. But I think, I think Mick has the slight edge this season as my favorite character. Yeah, you know, he's had some of the greatest moments this season, and when we look at it. But I mean, I think that's something that, like, almost we'll we obviously we'll save that for the annual, and I'm sure we're going to sing its praise again next week. Um, Christ, you're right, though. I don't know how to start and discuss this episode. I guess maybe we can talk about where the hell the legends are at this point. Well, I mean, we yeah, we see them as pretty much pawns. I mean, they're puppets in the game of the Legion of Doom. And, you know, we see Sarah and Amaya are, you know, henchmen for uh, 
um, you know, for Damien and for Malcolm and and everybody else. Uh, We see Mick is the only one who still has his memory working with Leonard and their Robin Banks, which Mick doesn't isn't really crazy about because they they're allowed to get away. Like there's no fun in the chase anymore. Yeah. Uh, You know, and there's no fun in the escape. And that's part of the thrill that Mick loves. And it's kind of gone because of. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things, too. It even shows how much where that version of Captain Cold was at that time. He says, like, we, we own this city now. He's like, this is what it's like. And he's like, he's like I'm king or a king. Um, and Mick's like, that's not why we do this. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's – I'm wondering how that's going to play out next week. I really wonder how it's going to play out next week between the two of them. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them dies again. But obviously he, Mick knows he can't kill Leonard. Yeah, because he, he would have done Leonard it already. Sword. Yeah, because, well, that he has to survive to do what he did at the vanishing point. So, I mean, all these little things have to be put in play. Yeah. And, and, God damn, there's so much went down in this episode. Like, well, 40, I mean, yeah. In 42 minutes. Man, this was packed every second. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to, you know, where the legends are at this point, we saw Nate as, like, a crazy conspiracy theorist. Ray is a janitor where, uh, you know, Eobard is running Star like, – he's running Star Labs. A very new modified Star Labs that looks like the Legion of Doom's base. Yes. How fucking cool was that? <laughs> we wanted this so bad, and man, they delivered. They When they showed us the new Star Labs, man, I was just giddy. That was, it was that same feeling when I saw the Hall of Justice. So I paused it, and I'm like, man, that's fantastic. <laughs> and, of course, you know, we see Jefferson as a, a boss to Dr. Stein, and... Uh, you know, by the end of the episode, everybody but the exception of Dr. Stein has their memory back. Yeah. Uh, which will be very interesting to see how that plays out as well. But they're all still powerless at the same time. Um, you know, so it'll be in, with the exception of Sarah, because Sarah, she's all hand to hand combat. She really yep. has no powers. So, but Sarah is pretty much the only one who's back to full strength at this point. Yeah. And one of the other big things that we know, too, is in this reality time, uh, Ebard has locked away the Black Flash. Um, and I, you know that's going to come back and bite him in the ass next week. I thought it was going to happen this week. And I was just like, you know, when they were trying to recover the spear before it got destroyed. Um, you know, we'll get to that in a moment. I really thought Black Flash was going to come into the mix before that moment happened. But no, um, very much this entirety of the episode, we know Ebard is setting... Uh, his big plan in motion is to have Professor Stein build a reactor that is hot enough, hot as the sun. Uh, hotter than the sun, like 10 hotter times than the hotter sun, than the sun. To destroy the Spear of Destiny and locking in the reality in play. So as uh, the team recovers their memories and they make the play to uh, to get the Spear back before that moment can happen, man, everything goes to shit. Okay. Uh, I have a nit- this is nothing but a nitpick. Nothing. This did not diminish my rating of the show at all. But if you have a reactor ten times hotter than the sun, are you really going to be able to stand next to it to throw something into it? Oh God, no! <laughs> so and come on. I know it's a television show, but, but hey, let's future, get real. Hey, future tech and time travel. If we buy that, we can buy this. That's <laughs> so, very true. So <laughs> very very um, true. I mean, they even showed it right off the bat, you know, Eobard has basically cured all these types of diseases and just made the world a better place. But I will say, for an episode called Doom World, man, there was a moment in there that just made me laugh, and I don't know, you picked it up as well, is when 
Eobard picks up the phone, he's talking to the president. Yes. <laughs> and he's just like, say hi to Mel for me. Yep. It's great to know that in the worst version of the world, who the president is. <laughs> Donald so. Trump is the president. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. So, yep. I thought that was a nice little underlying right by the writers, too. <laughs> so, sorry out there. Like I said, we don't try to be political in here, but that had me laugh. That, was, that made me laugh, too. Um. Yeah, I mean, so so many great moments. Obviously, in the very beginning of this, we've seen, uh, and I thought it was something that was a great little moment too, is that we see a collection of trophies, if you will, uh, Ooh, by yeah. Eobard, you know, of all the masks of all the heroes that we know. You know, the Flash is there. Um, you know, Arrow is there. We see all these different masks. Vigilante's and, mask was there. I Vigilante, Speedy, yeah. like all the heroes that we yeah. know are now gone in this world. Uh, yeah. And their masks taken as trophies. So this is a heroless world in that, yeah. You know, because Eobard has the the Legion of Doom has pretty much taken care of all of them. Yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this this, this is going to play out. But I mean, I you know one of the other big pieces of contention here is Damian Dark and Malcolm Merlin and uh, Leonard are not too happy with their station currently with Eobard running the show. So obviously, villains don't play well with each other. They never do, and. um no, I mean, because this is one of those things where, you know, Eobard had the spear. He formed the world in their image, giving what, in, in, you know, what he wanted his, his image to be, giving what he thought Malcolm, Damien, and Leonard wanted, but, you know, they want more. So, and he's not giving it to them. So, of course, there's going to be contention. Man, like, there was so many good lines this week, though. I, I, you know, I loved when, you know, Eobard's talking to Malcolm. It's like, look, in this world, you, you have your family, you know, your your family back. You 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 have a daughter who loves you. Your son's alive. Your you know your wife is alive, and you can clap. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, there was so many of those great moments, like uh, Damien Dark's monologuing moment, and then just Captain Cole was like, you know, to to be fair, I thought it was a very or no, Malcolm was like, to be fair, it was a very good monologue. You know, <laughs> yeah. All all these all these little moments, man. Like that they they've proved that these guys are such great bad guys for this season. And they they have so much fun writing them, and I don't know how they top this next season. I really don't. I don't either. I really don't know. Especially after this episode, because this episode was probably easily my favorite so far of the series. Yeah. Um, But I I guess we got to get to that big moment. You know, in their attempt to, the legends in their attempt to get the spear back in the last moments, uh, are about to achieve their victory. Mick gets the spear, passes it off to Amaya. Amaya's about to break it in half, and we hear a blast. And then slowly ice creeps up over Amaya's body. Leonard has that moment and just shatters her. Like, does dead. Like, there's nothing to do. And then moments later, Yabard gets the spear and destroys it, locking this world in uh, into the reality of what, what it actually is. So. Yeah. Just those moments in a matter of three or four minutes was just jaw, just agape. Like I was just fucking gobsmacked on how amazing those moments were. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, and it's it's it let, really had me believing at that time. Like, where the fuck do we go from here? Yeah. Like, there's only one episode left. How do we resolve this now? You know, a member of the league is dead. Uh, a member of the legends is dead. Um, and the spear is gone. So what do we do at this point? And it turns out it all relies on the baker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, which I thought was a really cool moment when we find out where the Wave Rider actually is. Yeah, for uh, over a year, it has been sitting on the terminal at Star Labs as a model. Yes. <laughs> is it basically a little toy shrunken down into size that Rimpus is living out his existence inside. Um, but, yeah, I, I, that was such a great moment and great reveal when you were like, this is our hope, a toy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I love the idea that they're going to – we were like, okay, maybe they're going to pluck somebody out, else out of time to, to save them. And that's that law they're going to break when we found out that they're going to have this moment uh, that's going to break the one rule. And we thought that was what it was. And it's like, no, they're going to go back to a moment there they were previously at and change it. And this is how Tolkien comes back. They go back to World War One when they get the spear originally. But I, I wonder how this plays out, though. Like, there's going to be, be two versions of these characters existing in this space. How does this work? What happens? Like, all these little things. What, you know, Amaya has to go to her time because we need Vixen in the modern day. Like, all these little things still need to happen. Does this erase that time from happening because they go back and create a paradox, whatever it may be? But I, I, I really am excited to see how this plays out. I really am. Yeah. Uh, next week's episode titled Aruba. Um, and it looks like we're going to see Katie Cassidy return to the yeah. to the mix for the finale as well. Um, the the titles of the episodes always mean something. I can't figure out Aruba. Yeah, I, I can't I, figure I, it out. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, so, man, what an amazing episode. What an absolutely amazing episode. Well, here's episode. the thing, though. I don't see J.R.R. Tolkien listed in the cast of credits next week. Uh, I did see pictures of him already. Cause and, and, I did, and I do remember seeing the script, too. Yeah. So we know he's listed in, in, in the uh, cast of characters. Yeah. So, uh, he's um, just not listed in the cast for some reason on IMDb. So... Yeah, it's now we're going back to an episode. Basically, we're we're, we're going back to the well to uh, one of those moments that we've already seen play out just a couple episodes ago. This so, is this is really going to be like a Marty returning to nineteen fifty five. Yeah, it's that we have to change these things and set these things into motion beforehand. Um, yeah, so. Uh, I mean, there's a little part of me too. Maybe we'll we'll get a little bit of Bill and Ted's bogus journey, the time game. <laughs> yeah. End. Yeah, that so, could work as well. So who knows? I, I'm really not sure what they're going to do here, but uh, I'm excited because I'm wondering really where this cast is going to end up by the end of this. That's the biggest question right now. Yep. Who is sticking around? And are they setting up next season like they did last year? Um, it's a really huge wonder at this point. And uh, is the JSA going to play into this? All these little things we don't know yet. We really have no idea what's to come. So, And I can't wait. That's, I can't either. All I have to say is I really just can't wait. Man, this show, I think, hands down, was my favorite across the board. I mean, again, we, we sing the praises of Flash and Arrow and Supergirl. I mean, all these shows. I think there's one show, though, that has stood above the rest all season long, and it's been this one. I don't think I've never not been fully entertained by an episode. Me neither. So. Me neither. Um, I agree with that completely. I, I, it gets, this show easily gets my highest praise this season. And uh, I can't wait to talk about this in the annual because I know I'm going to go back and watch every one of those episodes before we do it. I am too. <laughs> I totally oh. am too. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's get ready to wrap things up. But before we do that, we have to do the news. Yep. So it's time for a little DC Essentials. 
And we're going to start off with Injustice 2 this week. Uh, we got the next two reveals. Normally, we, they get one at a time. But uh, this week, not the case. Um, and I will say, a couple days before I posted this article, I also posted another little thing up on the Facebook page. Again, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, where I said, hey, guys, the roster has leaked. And I'm going to kick through that really quickly. And that roster is Batman, Superman, and Supergirl. And we know if you get the uh, Ultimate Edition, you get the Power Girl alternate skin. Which I am but, getting. Yep. Uh, Atrocitus, the Red Lantern. Uh, Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, uh, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Robin, Deadshot, Black Canary, just Swamp Thing, Doctor Fate, Catwoman, Gorilla Grodd, Cyborg, uh, Green Lantern with the John Stewart alternate skin for the Ultimate uh, Edition, folks. Flash, the Reverse Flash uh, alternate skin can run for that as well. Firestorm, Green Arrow, Brainiac, Black Adam, Bane, Poison Ivy, and the newly announced Captain Cold. And Scarecrow that we got in the newest trailer, which you can check that out on the page. The last one to be revealed will be Joker. Uh, we also know Darkseid is the pre-order, and we have nine DLC characters that have yet to be announced. This puts, I think, the roster to 29. Um, so a pretty amazing roster uh, with nine additional characters coming after that. So the roster is going to end up, I think, 30... I think I think this was 29, I believe. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have 38 characters to look at and when all is said and done. Right now, the two big rumors are Red Hood and Starfire. Uh, so, Corey and uh, Jason Todd. So, looking forward to seeing if that comes to pass. I know a lot of people have been calling for Red Hood, so it's a wait and see. Uh, but, like I said, this list came out um, on NeoGAF. If you are a big uh, video game, uh, you know... Uh, uh, enthusiast, I highly recommend going over to NeoGaff.com. That's where most news stories break uh, for everything. That's where most of the people in the industry get their sources if you want to follow stuff there. But if you follow the little threads, that's where this came out a couple weeks ago. I just forgot to post it up, but it was great to see that this played out. And then we know, again, Joker will be the final one. And it, what what a fitting time to do it the first week of April, right around April Fool's Day. So, um, But yeah, so really excited to see what happens with that. I'm moving. Oh, I was gonna. I was just gonna say real quick. I know a lot of our listeners have been posting on the Facebook page. Anytime you post a story about Injustice Two, they're stoked to get this game. Um, I've already pre-ordered mine. I think you might have already pre-ordered yours too. I have. Uh, I did um, a the digital uh, Ultimate Edition, so I am playing on PS4. You're playing on PS4, I believe. I am. Uh, I, I got it on PS4. Strict. I got it on PS4, and this is what I wanted to bring up. I got it on PS4 for a couple of reasons. One, because you're going to be playing on PS4, so I thought it would be cool for us to play at the same time. I'm getting the physical copy only because when I pre-ordered at the time, that was the only thing Amazon had. Um, but I think it's going to be cool because this comes out. This game comes out in May. Uh, while a lot of these shows are going, I've already already going to be ended so i think another i think something cool that we're possibly going to be talking about doing over the course of the summer is i think we're going to be doing some community plays of this yeah and i'm there's right now there's a big part of me that's thinking you know video games always release on tuesdays for the most part we've seen that shaken up a little bit i believe this is a tuesday release i think the day after that wednesday maybe we'll do a community fight night um where everybody's still kind of behind the ears as far as this game. Everybody's going to be on very equal footing. Um, so we'll probably pull something together. We'll set a time that helps folks, uh, you know, on the West Coast to be able to kind of jump in. Maybe we can start playing around 9 o'clock Eastern time. So folks should be just getting home from work uh, in Cali, you know, so around 6 p.m. So 
I think that's a good way. Maybe we'll do like a two hour play. Like maybe like for us, it's like nine to 11. Yeah. On that Wednesday yeah, night. Like, I think that's a great way to go. Um, you know, everybody just gets a chance to dive in, play around. We'll get a chance to talk about these shows. Uh, probably before we get a chance to do our annuals, you can give us your thoughts on the seasons while we uh, try to kick each other's ass. Yes, so, exactly. So exactly. So we can we can uh, start up. So before we get to that point, we'll uh, we'll start reminding folks. We'll give our PSN IDs on on the show for give a chance for you guys to get us added into uh, your uh, friends lists. Send us little messages and say hey. Just a little message that says DC Prime Time. Uh, actually, we can start that off now. Um, I'll give you my PSN name right now, which is Berserker Tiki, but it's B E R Z E R K E R T I K I. Uh, so if you add me on PSN, just make sure you state DC primetime in your message. Yeah, do the same for me, too. Mine is uh, very, very, very fairly simple. Ben 12602. 12602. Yes. Easy. I know I already have you in there. And I'm actually uh, the same on Xbox, too. So if, if you can add me on Xbox, too, if you want. So, yeah, just uh, get us added in the sooner you do this, the easier. And even if it's only just a couple of us, regardless, this is going to happen. If not, me and Ben are just going to play. So yep. uh, we'll just have fun doing that. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, so make sure you guys get a chance to get uh, over to that and get that set up. Um, so let's now head out of the video games and we'll head over into the wonderful world of television. Uh, and that specifically, let's talk about the big thing right off the bat. We got our first shot of Cress Williams suited up. As Jefferson Pierce, aka Black Lightning, and man, that suit looks fantastic. Um, like I said, that did come out earlier this week. Uh, I think I posted it up, and then Ben posted it as well. I think we both were salt and were excited, like holy crap, holy yeah. crap, holy crap. Um, so yeah, we're we're super pumped to see. Uh, like I said, we don't know yet, obviously, uh, when the pilot is going to be aired uh, to uh, the folks over at Warner Brothers. But I really, really hope that we uh, get the show picked up. So it would be kind of awesome to get five shows to talk about purely on the CW. We'll probably focus purely on that, and then we'll go from there. Um, but heading over into the Arrow uh, Arrowverse, let's head into specifically Arrow. And uh, this past week over, I believe there was um, the Pally Fest. I think that was happening. Yeah, um, yeah it was Pally. Uh, so I don't know if any of the videos from those panels is going online yet. I have, haven't even dug them up, but... Uh, one of the things that was brought up is Mark Guggenheim was uh, doing an interview with Entertainment Weekly and said a couple things that were interesting was two specific places that Arrow will never, ever, ever go. Uh, and it's something I'm very happy about. And that specifically, he stated that, uh, well, specifically, Mark uh, did say he can't speak for Greg Berlanti or Wendy uh, Merkel, but he did say as long as he's around, the two things that will never, ever happen on the show is Felicity will never be a hero and donning a superhero mask. Um, and he's like, you know, while they did do that in, you know, Legends of Tomorrow this past week, that is not something that's ever going to change on Arrow. Um, and aside from that, the other thing that will never happen is Thea will never be killed because his thought process is Ollie has just lost too much. And that's just a bridge too far. Uh, while we may not see Thea all the time, um, that's a good reasoning why. And I'm actually very happy about that. I, I think that that's something that helps ground his character. So, uh, the other thing we have to discuss, the big one for Arrow, uh, is, <laughs> as Ben put it, somebody from Warner Brothers heard our little bonus song in last <laughs> week's episode, and welcome everybody to Black Canary number five. Katie Cassidy is returning to Arrow for season six for good. 
as Black Siren, which will ultimately probably be changed to Black Canary at some point in time. Um, man, I'm very happy about this. So that redemption arc that we talked about when we saw her in the midseason finale that we knew was coming is definitely coming to pass. We know she's going to be uh, appearing in the final two episodes of Arrow this season uh, that uh, you know Variety did report. So we know that is happening indeed, and she will be a season regular um, yet again in season six. And I think, you know what, if we're looking for flashbacks, here's a really great avenue for new flashbacks. Go to Earth 2 and show us the relationship between Laurel and the Oliver of Earth 2. Maybe and leading up to his death in the end of the season. Uh, Maybe as if potentially they start to fall in love. This is a great way that you can do something unique with the flashbacks. We're now on Earth 2 and watching what happened to these characters. I think that would be really fun to see these characters play out different versions of themselves. So so kind of looking forward to seeing what they do with that. Uh, As we mentioned when we talked about Flash, in the Once in Future Flash, um, we are obviously going to get a couple things. Probably the identity of Savitar, but as we mentioned before, Barry's getting his upgrade that a lot of us have been waiting for, and even Grant has teased about in the past. He's like, everybody's gotten upgrades to their suits. Why haven't I? I just got an emblem changed. That's it. Um, the suits have come a long way, and uh, his kind of sticks out now, kind of like the lesser of all of them. So uh, it looks like uh, it's a modified version of the suit he has. There's a little bit more gold added to it. It looks like it's a little bit more streamlined and probably a little bit more to match the style of the other suits. But uh, the, the quick shot that you can see in the promo... Uh, it looks great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with it. So, um, We already talked about, as we mentioned before, uh, the potential big bad of Season 4, obviously being Devoe the Thinker. That article is over on our Facebook page for you to check out. And now, you know, let's head over into the movie universe because there's a couple things we definitely need to talk about. Um, there was uh, The lighter thing this week was uh, Val Kilmer coming up and saying, pitching his idea for the Batman movie, which is a Batman team-up of sorts. And he said, wouldn't it be great if myself, Michael Keaton, George Clooney, and Christian Bale could all get quick cameos in the Batman just to be random thugs or villains and all get killed off by the Batman, Uh, which would, I think, be kind of fantastic. So I don't know about everybody else, but I think it would be a nice little homage. But if you're going to do that, you got to throw in Adam West in there in the mix. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) (laughs) And Kevin Conroy. You have to have Kevin in there, too. Uh, it's, It's important. So. These are probably... What about Will Arnett? (laughs) Yeah, oh, God, that would be hysterical. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it would just be kind of fun if they they played with that and embraced it a little bit. And then one of the other things I want to say, too, as far as movie world, is uh, the Batman and Harley Quinn animated feature, uh, which is a Bruce Timm original, which is great because Bruce Timm and Paul Dini were the creators of Harley Quinn, so it makes sense for them to get a chance to do this again. But the great idea and a great thing that makes me even more happy about this is... uh, Teen Titans and Judas Contract is coming out this on VOD, uh, which is April 4th. Uh, but in uh, iTunes, some people were able to take a look at the special features, and the, we know one of the things is a sneak peek at that. And then when we got to see our first image, we see a very looking, you know, uh, you know, Timverse versions of Nightwing, Batman, and Harley Quinn. It is that traditional design. They look just like they did in the, the final season of Batman the Animated Series, which a lot of people dub Gotham Knights. Um, I'm really excited, and I really hope that means it's the original voice cast coming back, so I don't know if that means Arlene Sorkin is coming back to voice Harley Quinn, but I would assume Kevin Conroy probably will, and I can't recall the original voice of the Nightwing um, in that final season there, but 
Uh, if not, I would assume if it's not Arlene Sorkin, it'll probably be Tara Strong, who has voiced her in a lot of things going forward. But, man, this looks like a great throwback. and makes me incredibly excited. But that's not what we're here to talk about. The big things <laughs> we have to discuss is the bombshell that was dropped this week that nobody saw coming. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we mentioned that a Nightwing movie was coming, which was kind of cool. I was pretty excited about it, and I know a lot of people out there that are uh, – you know, fans of uh, the, you know, heroes of Gotham were pretty excited about, but that's not the only one to come. Uh, Batgirl is apparently already in the works, and it's in the works by an unlikely ally to the DCEU, somebody that had previously had ties to it in the past and was originally the writer and a person originally scheduled to helm Wonder Woman, and it's none other but Avengers director Joss Whedon and he is currently more than likely, it sounds like the deal is very, very close to being made, will be writing, directing, and producing Batgirl. Man, how awesome is that? That's amazing. And that, it makes me wonder, like, if this is going to be, because we know we've seen Joss's work before, uh, obviously, with the Avengers and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly and everything else he's done. Is this going to be a more, not as dark and more lighthearted DCEU movie? Um, well, I don't know because some other news did come out this week, and it said specifically some of the things that Joss is pulling from for inspiration, and that specifically is Gail Simone's New 52 relaunch of Batgirl, which was her coming out of rehabilitation after being shot by the Joker, and it's her dealing with PTSD while donning the costume again. So I'm wondering if that's going to be in there, but if that's the case, this could be a very dark film. But I will say this. If they go that route, Joss does a really good job of writing strong female characters. He does. I um, mean, again, you know, I mentioned it before. You look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a prime example yeah, of that. Yeah, I mean, like you look at even things like Dollhouse. You look at the, the just the entire female cast of Firefly. I mean, man, the, the guy knows how to do this incredibly well, and he and he taking work from Gail Simone. And Gail's probably one of the most iconic writers ever for Batgirl. Like most people love her work. You know, before the new 52, the new 52 stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of if they're going to go this route, I'm kind of more excited for them maybe to go this angle than maybe the Batgirl Burnside, which is kind of the redesigned costume. Uh, and it's, you know, Barbara living in the very hipster-esque neighborhood, uh, very, very colorful villains. But I think if you want to tie it nicely to this DC extended universe, this might be the way to go. But I think... Josh is really good with his banter, though, too. So I think even taking this, he might even be able to find some light in a dark situation. Yeah. So, uh, But, I mean, man, this is a great get. This feels like the peace offering that Warner Brothers needed to say, hey, guys, what better way to make you guys happy and appease you than bringing in one of the best people that can that has been an icon in not just comic books but geek culture? Man, this is a smart move and a smart get, and I really hope they close this deal. Yeah, agreed. So, man, um, but, man, what a bombshell. Uh, that was – when that happened, my jaw was just on the floor. And this has been – this is not one of these just rumblings. And this is everywhere. Everybody is talking about the story. I, I posted it from IGN. You posted it from Variety. Um, I mean, it, comic book movie. Comic book uh, movie, yeah. CBR, yeah, CBR. Film, CBR. Yeah. Everybody knows about this, and it's all coming from multiple sources. It's not all coming out of one place. And this has even been confirmed by, I believe, Toby Emmerich, which is the president and chief content officer at Warner Brothers, that's saying that, 
you know, John Berg, Jeff Johns himself are all talking to Wheaton, and they've been talking to him for a while. And one of the things that I'm not surprised to see him make this shift is he specifically wanted to do Wonder Woman. Uh, they were just – it got started and stalled you know, so many times, and I just think timing maybe just wasn't right. Uh, they weren't sure what to do yet with this world. Um, you know, Joss came on to work on Avengers after the Marvel Cinematic Universe happened. And I think they were talking about doing Wonder Woman after Marvel already announced their plans to make a cinematic universe. And I think Warner Brothers was trying to figure out what their move was to be. And that's probably why that fell apart. You know, he got a chance to do Avengers. He did that. He did Age of Ultron because he was contracted to, and you could see his heart wasn't in it. But what he wanted to do more than anything else was lead a Black Widow movie. And the folks over at Marvel said, we don't think there's a market for a female-led superhero. Uh, And then he offered and said, well, what about another female hero? And they said, at this time, we can't think of it. DC's giving him that opportunity. He said he always wanted to do something uh, with uh, Batman at some point in time, and he always wanted to do a female superhero flick that kills two birds with one stone. So I think this is something he really, really wants to do. Yeah, yeah. So. I, th- I think he's going to be really comfortable doing this. And I think, um, I mean, if there's anything that leads me to back to a little bit of excitement for the DCEU, I think this is it. I think this is a good a good opportunity. I've been a Joss fan for a while, so to, to see something like this actually come to fruition, I'm excited. Yeah, um, I, this, like I said, this feels like a little bit of light at the end of the, the, the tunnel for DCEU. Like I said, uh, there was a cinema contest happened a couple of days ago, and uh, people got to see, I think, about 15 to 20 minutes of Wonder Woman. And the reactions that are coming out of it, everybody's like, they did a good, our, good our job. Friend, our friend Tony, who we might be having on this week, was at WonderCon and saw it himself and said that the, the scenes that they saw, the fight scenes that they had seen come out of that clip were phenomenal. I heard not even that, too, but I heard even the introduction sequence they have on the streets with uh, Chris Pine and Diana were also exceptional. I, I mean, I'm hearing some positive spins on this. So I really hope that this movie comes out and shines. Yeah. So, uh, But the buzz from, uh, from CinemaCon and WonderCon uh, have been very strong, uh, which is not things we heard about the other films at all. So um, I, I think maybe this is the beginning of the writing of the ship. Hey, prime example. It takes a woman, man. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens with this whole thing, and I really hope this this pans out. But uh, yeah, so uh, I guess our recommendations, we'll get the hell out of here. Yeah, man. Um, I'll kick things off this time. Um, uh, two recommendations real quick. Obviously, I want to recommend once again our friend Brian Roll over at Odyssey Art uh, doing his charity thing right now. Uh, $2 raffle tickets that you can buy on his website, odysseyart.net, or if you happen to see him at convention as he was in Chicago last week. He does all of the Heroes and Villains con, so if there's a Heroes and Villains con in your area you can always head out and see him he does some fantastic art or you can just go to the website and buy the raffle tickets there as i mentioned he's going to be a great philadelphia comic-con this weekend uh so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him again and getting to hang out with him a little bit uh there but a lot of cool prizes so obviously we encourage you to check that out uh and the other thing i want to mention is i mentioned earlier the um the interview I got to do the one-on-one with Tony Cypress from Blacklist Redemption. A little bit of a conversation about Supergirl and Aaron working with David Harewood and what it was like. Uh, she is... I'll, I'll, I'll warn you right now in this conversation, we talked a lot about being from Jersey because she currently lives in New Jersey. And she's a big gamer. So we, we did talk a lot about... Uh, 
you know, like Mass Effect and Zelda and stuff. So it was really cool getting to talk to a celebrity about like gaming and, and things like that and Supergirl. So she's obviously a little bit of a nerd like we are. Uh, that's over at uh, on the website on the Next Level Radio Online dot com website, uh, as well as in the the feed, the iTunes feed for uh, the Showcast Spotlight. So uh, that hasn't been posted yet, but by the time you are hearing this, it will be posted within a day or two. I think by Wednesday we're. Sp- I think the the uh, the rep the reps at Fox asked us to wait until Wednesday to post it. So by Wednesday, you'll see that posted, and I'll post a link on our Facebook page to it as well. And as for me, uh, mine's kind of on the lighter side of things this week. Uh, there was not a lot going on uh, for me as far as recommendations this week. But again, you know, obviously Brian Roll's uh, whole uh, charity thing that's going on right now, and I'm really looking forward to meeting him this upcoming week. Uh, but there was a little video I found last night when I was just falling down a YouTube hole, which was a season one, season two flash recap rap, which was uh, done by the folks at the Warp Zone. Really funny. It's over on the Facebook page now for you guys if you want to check it out. It just uh, had me chuckling. It was really super amusing. They do a lot of other great ones. Highly recommend to the Dark Knight trilogy uh, recap rap, which is a ton of fun as well. Uh, So definitely get a chance to check that out. But the other thing is, well, if you buy stuff digitally, again, I'll remind you, Teen Titans, the Judas Contract comes out on this Tuesday. So make sure you pick that up, check that out, rent it however you like. Uh, And in two weeks, We'll uh, we'll do that review uh, is in a very shortened Easter uh, episode that we'll record beforehand. Uh, we'll probably record that when we record the upcoming episode. It'll probably I can't imagine be more than maybe ten or fifteen minutes because we will have no news to talk about uh, because we'll be a week early. But yeah. um, just because obviously with the holidays um, and I will be away. So yep. So. Uh, cheap plugs, and then we will get out of here. Uh, you can check out my other podcast, Next Level, uh, the, the Showcast Spotlight, uh, here on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, and of course on our Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And as for me, you can always find me also at nextlevelradioonline.com, and you can find the Captain Crew Cast of Pods. We will be recording our new episode this coming Wednesday, so a couple days behind. Um, but that seems like we have been releasing our episodes for the previous month at the beginning of the, the new month. So uh, hopefully that will change sooner or later. Things have been super crazy. Yep. Um, quite okay. And when you do a roundtable podcast, it's very difficult to work with a whole bunch of adults, all with very busy lives. Yes. So, and, But it is coming. Oh. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, and I was also going to say to my podcast that I had was, I think I brought this up before. There's a new podcast that's going to be coming to the Next Level Podcast Network too, which is the Wilhelm Files, which is my film uh, roundtable podcast. Uh, I'm currently, I, I'm this week, I'm going to be starting work on getting that back up and running again too. So um, uh, you can keep an eye out for that. And if you're a movie buff and you want to talk about movies, um, just message us on DC Primetime on the Facebook page. And who knows? I might be able to use you. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's issue of DC Primetime. Once again, we want to thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts for listening and checking out the podcast every week, for podcast or for uh, for posting on the page, for messaging us, for, for being a part of the community. We encourage you to share it with your friends, especially if they watch these shows. Um, and we, again, just thank you for, for being a part of this. Yeah, totally. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this week. Until next week, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.